Welcome back to another episode of Product Confidential, um, where we're here to talk about the realities of being a product manager. And along the way, we'll be sharing a ton of exciting insights from all of our guests about how you can do product extremely well. Um, And hopefully we'll be keeping it quite lighthearted and having a laugh. So sit back, relax, grab a beverage of your choice and enjoy. Welcome back to Product Confidential. Today we're joined by Leanne. Um, Leanne's here to talk to us about product delivery and agile transformations. Um, She's a specialist in agile transformations and working with agile teams in the e-commerce space. So we'll cover a whole range of topics on everything from her career through to uh, what it takes to do transformation successfully and how to work with different teams to achieve that. Um, So Leanne, over to you. Do you want to give us a quick overview for your career so far? Yeah, sure. And thank you for inviting me. So Yeah, I think I've been in product for nearly 10 years now, which feels like a really long time. Um, I accidentally came into product, which is probably common of a lot of people that probably don't necessarily go out to go right, going to go into product. So I did marketing in university a very, very long time ago. Um, I would definitely say as well to do product role, you don't necessarily have to go to university, but I was of that era that everyone goes to university. So I did marketing and afterwards I kind of fell into marketing roles, mainly around kind of like strategic marketing. So kind of like planning out, um, you know, like what are the best marketing activities for certain segments and stuff. So, and then I ended up, which it was kind of a strange role, but I ended up at Barclay Card doing a role, which was campaign delivery manager. So it was kind of helping marketing teams delivering um, their campaigns. And I worked in the online space. And obviously did such an amazing job that I actually got, and probably one of my highlights of my career, I actually got poached from the digital office um, and I started kind of doing a business analyst role. And then I moved on to Argos and they were actually starting to go through digital transformation. And I'm I'm sure we'll kind of get into digital transformation and kind of what that means because I've kind of fallen into that space. And they were actually moving all of their like business analyst people into products. So I went on like a product like training course and then you know ever since I've kind of been a product manager and over the last six years I've kind of been freelancing kind of in the retail space that's generally where I've kind of ended up in and obviously it's great to look at like clothes and shoes and stuff being a woman so you know it's kind of like you know nice to kind of browse the website and kind of see those things but yeah I've worked in the retail space but really kind of working in that digital transformation I'm working in big tech deliveries as opposed to BAU. And that's what I enjoy. I really, really enjoy kind of really helping organizations um, deliver some big transformation, whether that's kind of like cultural changes as well as like the delivery changes. So yeah, that's a whistle stop tour of my kind of like career. No, it sounds perfect. Like all of my specialisms working in travel and it's the same thing. I'm always like looking at different places, but at least I'm abroad now. When I was in England and I was like constantly looking at holidays, I'm like, this is just depressing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very dangerous when you work in an industry where you look at things that you could actually purchase. And I unfortunately or fortunately ended up in the like luxury market as well. So that's really dangerous for your bank balance. So yeah. Just user testing though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Some things. Um, no, that sounds great. And especially the last part you were saying around um, working in transformation and working on all of those different elements, everything from culture to thinking about what people really need to change for their organization. Um, and it's something that I 
wouldn't even say I'm naive to, but I worked at booking.com, which has been quite a mature organization for a while and had the luxury of working in that space where the team already knew how to do product well and we could keep taking it to the next level. But obviously, I know that there's still so many organizations that are at different stages of their journey. Um, so in terms of starting on this topic, how would you describe what agile transformation is and digital transformation is? Yeah, so for me, like the generally in organizations I've worked in, there's probably two parts to that digital transformation. So it's not only just like the cultural side of things, but it's also maybe some kind of tech delivery. So maybe it's that the what they're using at the moment. So we take e-commerce, an e-commerce platform that's just not going to ever work in our job because it's so big and takes months to actually deliver anything. So generally what I see in these organizations are like, right, we need to change like the tech stack and we need to change that but we're also going to have to change how everyone's structured so you know you may have like very traditional roles you know like project managers you know your business analysts you don't have any um product managers so with that agile transformation there'll be two parts to that really kind of culturally kind of like bringing in product managers bringing in like you know setting up agile teams and not only are you having to get the buy-in from the people that maybe roles are having to change, but also maybe some of the senior business stakeholders, because it, as much as it's nice, it might be the CEO that's kind of said this, but it might be somebody in management that's kind of like um, sponsoring this project. Well, we'll call it project in the old world, but kind of saying, actually, this has got to change and we've got to change it this way. Um, so really getting that buy-in. So really like for me is you're generally, if you've been brought in as a project manager, as product manager, apologies, um, for somebody to come in, you're having to be that PR person for product and for agile ways of working, as well as on your flip side, trying to deliver some tech delivery as well. So really kind of being that like, you know, shouting about product, why we're working this way, because most of the time, especially when it comes to business stakeholders, they're used to people, they're used to just going, I want this delivered. And I want it now kind of thing. So really changing their mindset and showing them like the benefits. So there'll always be some slides that I'll have that you can kind of pull out and kind of really explain to them the benefits of like product management and agile. And it is it's crazy, isn't it, this day and age that you've still got organizations that are going through this. And I think for me, I definitely see this in the retail space where they may be bricks and mortar. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need to get into this digital space. And they've ended up with these big systems that just, you know, you can't move quickly. And now, especially probably as you kind of from COVID, people are starting to really enjoy just buying online and you see high streets changing. And I think that's the reason why now these organizations have really got need to change the way that they're working and kind of, you know, in, introduce product and introduce, you know, agile ways of working. Um, so for me, especially, I can only talk about the retail sector and I'm sure it's the same in other sectors. Um, but yeah, that's where you've kind of really started to see these shifts in digital transformation, which is crazy because you'd always think, you know, these organizations are already working like that. Yeah, for sure. This is like, I'm so naive to it sometimes. And I go into some organizations and I'm like, oh, I was talking to you at like a level that's three steps ahead of where you guys are currently at. And it's identifying yeah. where someone is and how to take different people on that journey and also not overwhelm them at the same time. Um, I know you mentioned that you obviously have some like 
typical slides and things that you show people what are the main um factors that you explain to people about what the benefits of going through the agile transformation are I think for me is the fact is um so for some of the things that I discuss is kind of like how you would work so I know for us it's something simple like working in sprints but it just really kind of showing them actually we can turn what work around quite quickly so you could see something within two weeks it may only be like a button or something that you'll see on a website, but it is something and you're continuously seeing those improvements and so really showing them that in rather than waiting kind of however many months of something, you can start to really see um, kind of benefits. I also think, because this was one thing that was pulled out probably at the right at the beginning of my career, and I don't know if most product managers have seen this, is that whole analogy of, you know, what MVP is. So I think it's like a skateboard and it turns into a car. So, you know, like an MVP, if you, if as a customer, if I want to get from A to B, skateboard's fine to begin with, isn't it? And then as we progress a scooter and a bike and using that analogy is always really good. And they're like, oh, I get that. So rather than waiting for this all singing, dancing thing, I can slowly get things. And I think that's really important. And I think as well is the roadmap, having a roadmap. Because the amount of times you go into organisations, they don't have that roadmap, don't really understand like when they're going to get things and kind of really being able to, I think people think as well in Agile that you don't plan, but you do plan. It's such a myth when people say, oh, you know, you don't really plan, but you do plan. You plan your roadmap and, you know, those things may change. So it's really important to say that to them. So really kind of for me, they're the kind of tools that I would use is that you'll get that continuous improvement. We're going to be KPI focused as well. So we're not just going to do things for the sake of it. I am going to sit here and I am going to challenge you over the things that you want. So really showing them those things, um, because I do think one of the things is they think, oh, Agile is this like fluffy thing that I'm not really going to get anything out of it. Um, so, yeah, making sure that you really show them actually, you know, these are the things that you're going to get. I'm, I'm really interested in when you go into an organisation and start working them, working with them, sorry. Are there things that you do to get a feel for how mature they are in terms of their agile journey? And if so, what are those steps that you go through? Obviously, you've got to just sit with them. So I think, for example, a last organisation I worked with, they had all kind of done agile in different ways. But we were very much working. Yeah, we were working in like Jira, but we were working definitely as like a, a project. And you just get a feel for the team when you start talking about certain concepts. And they're like, oh, I don't get that. Or really, most of the time when people don't understand things and push back, that's when you're like, oh, they don't really fully understand that. And that for me is when you're like, right, OK, I would never, ever go into an organization and induce, you know, introduce lots of different new things. Or so it's really just spending the time with them, really listening to them, listening to kind of what, you know, their feedback is. And like I said, some of the feedback of, oh, you don't really do plans. You don't really, so I don't know what I'm going to get. And you just hear some of those things. And that's, they're the areas that you know that you need to really work on with your like stakeholders and your team. Um, so yeah, things like um, estimation and things like that are definitely things that I've seen before where they're like, oh no, I don't get that. I don't get what you're doing. And those weird concepts of like doing story points and things like that. So you've really got to take them on that baby step journey of kind of then how you implement those things but yeah it's spending time and listening to people and I think that's such an important thing as a product manager is spending time and listening to people and not just jumping in going these are things you're gonna we're gonna have to do I, I'm 
thinking you must be a really resilient person uh, in that role because people people hate change don't they like traditionally oh, yeah. and it sounds like you're going into a place where I, I can imagine you quite often have to bring leadership with you but not only leadership the people on the ground who are actually doing that work and taking people out of what they know and what they're comfortable with even if it's not working they're comfortable with it so they're happy there you've got to say like no we're going to this new place when when you are going through that do you have traditional places where you start like do you start with leadership or do you start with people on the ground like how do you go about that I think generally and especially being a freelancer you kind of have the leadership going yeah these are all the issues see you later kind of thing and then you just kind of got to deal with it especially if you're just dealing with one team um so that would be like in that scenario and I think it is different you probably don't get as much support as being a freelancer because you are seen as that specialist who you know has probably what you know worked with different organizations so you're really there to help then guide that team um so yeah sometimes it will be that you've got you have to bring people in especially people have been really resistant to things and you need that help um but I also find like my tactics are to slowly introduce things I always will you know ask for feedback as well like let's give this a go for two weeks or whatever that time frame is but let's then step back and like um let's provide some feedback if it's really not working then let's get some feedback so yeah I think going back you don't always get that support it is seen as a freelancer that you're there to kind of be the person that's going to execute those changes and really kind of um yeah as I as you said be resilient sometimes you may go off calls where you just want to scream um or actually press the leave button but you just take a deep breath and continue um so yeah and actually that's one thing and maybe this is wrong or maybe there's something not quite right about me but I actually that's what I enjoy I actually enjoy it when I have got through to people and moved them on and actually they're no longer tricky that's what I absolutely love is where people are then really really bought in and are like thank you thank you so much for all these things that you've like done even though during the whole process it might have been painful as hell but I actually really enjoy that when I then get that end goal and then really bought into what you're doing I think that's half of it is it's like that evidence that you build over time that you're like yeah even when it's frustrating you're like I know I've done this in organizations before and I know they're going to thank me at the end like I'm doing the right thing I just need to stick to my guns and hold it out um and I think that's the benefit of being a specialist in that space um and I think a lot of people that listen to this kind of podcast will sit there and say well I'm a product person on the ground and I can see that maybe we need to change the way we do this or where we do that or we've got problems here what advice would you give to anyone that's not in the freelance position that needs to get leadership potentially brought in and the team how would you recommend that they go about it yeah so obviously you're always going to have to get your leadership brought into whatever it is that you're changing um so definitely I would pitch it so this is actually I, I think we should implement this whatever reason we think this is going to give the benefit um and then I for me it's it's just creating that whole traditional route of just creating a business case for why you're wanting to do something and it could just be that you're going to trial it out whatever that thing is that you're going to trial so you know provide your business case if it's like maybe in your one-to-ones or whatever you know like pitch your ideas and it may be that people say no that's not going to work for this reason but you may have some other ideas never be afraid to kind of ask 
And then for your team, again, just pitching why you want to do this and the reasons for. There potentially will be, you know, resistance. And I think it goes back to nobody likes change. Everyone's always seems to be resistant to change. But I think as long as you can explain your case and the reason why, and you always say to them, let's try it out for a period of time. Let's provide feedback. Um, and if it's really not working, we'll, we'll stop it or we'll adapt it. And I think most of the time when I've done those things, people never provide me feedback because they're like, actually, no, this will work fine. And I actually quite like working like this. So, but yeah, you've, I think as well, especially in the digital transformation, you've got to be a bit of a psychologist as well. You've got to understand people's behaviours and have a lot of empathy of why people behave the way that they behave. You know, whether that's a business stakeholders is worried about, you know, their margins or the profit they're going to make, or whether that's because, you know, a developer has always worked like that and now they're going to have to think about a different way to work. It's just being empathetic why people are resistant to change rather than going, oh gosh, you never want to change anything. And it's just have it, I do think as a product manager, you've got to be empathetic to people. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Sorry, Michael, I knew you were going to say something, but I was, I'm just going to say, don't get me wrong. I've worked in those places before as well, where you'll have the odd person where you know that they're always resistant to change. And it doesn't, like you can, I've tried before being like, okay, I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to sit and listen to them and understand why. And then after working with them for like a year, I'm like, yeah, sorry, we're just going to do it. <laughs> it's just learning their personalities. And they've also been like, yeah, fair, I like to complain. And then once you've yeah. got that relationship and that camaraderie, it kind of helps you to make progress. Yeah, and that goes back to that whole psychology side of things, of knowing people and different people and how they behave. And it might be that that particular person is the person you go to first as a bit of a sounding board, you know, to and, and they might then feel included because of that. But yeah, sometimes you get people and you're just like, yeah, we're just going to try this out and make it, like you said, make a joke of it because there'll always be those people. Have you ever had anyone give you like a hard no? I'm not going to do that. Yes, I would say, in, and I would say this has made me such a resilient person. So in my last contract, and I would call them out on this, so I'm not scared to kind of say this, is I would have developers definitely saying no to things. They were very much used to working the way that they work and they would say no. And sometimes you'd just be like, it's, especially if it's not something that's important or actually you can just let it go, then you just have to be like, actually, yes, this might be something I think is a really good idea, but it's not worth the fight. There's probably other things that are worth it. So it really depends on like how much value, whatever you're trying to drive is actually going to gain value. Cause there's just some battles that I just don't think are worth it. And you maybe just need to park it. So it's actually going, do you know what? And I think that's what makes you a good product manager is going, that's just not worth it. And seeing it from, you know, holistically, actually what value it's going to give you. So I'm definitely not one of these people that I would be like, oh, no, I'm going to keep fighting this. Is actually, there's probably some bigger fights that I need to, you know, conserve my energy for. What, what if it's a big fight? What do you do then? Um, I think it really depends what it is. And I think it goes back to, like you said, it might be that you need to get buy-in from senior management. And actually, it's something that needs to come from like top down, as opposed to, and obviously, if it's the other way around, again, there may be some other people that are on that same level as that person that's saying no to kind of like, you know, rally up your troops and kind of get other people involved. So it could be that you've just got to get, you know, a bunch of you together to really show 
um, kind of why this is valuable. Also, it could be, so I find with different people, they, their Achilles heel will be very different. So it may be that I've not pitched it right. And I actually need to go back round and pitch it right. Some people may be very data-driven, might have not provided enough data. Some people might just be very emotional about something because something is like their baby and it's always been their baby. And it may just be that you've just got to go on that kind of like, be a bit more empathetic how you're pitching things to them so yeah I think it is just kind of rallying the troops up if it's something that you really really need to do um obviously it depends at what level it may be you just say no you just got to get on with it um but also it may be actually looking back at how you pitch something and repitch it no I love that I find all of that advice really helpful even the things say the things that you were saying around like let's just try it and test it for two weeks I've used that technique before and people are really people really struggle to say no to that you've got not to try something and um yeah some advice that I was given by one of my old managers before was always like find your allies speak first and then if you've got them on board then I I wrote about this concept before and it was I can't remember the exact percentages I always get these things wrong but once you've convinced a certain amount of people to do something the rest becomes easy so finding your allies and working through that really helps Um, yeah absolutely like knowing what people's agendas and motives are that always makes a difference yeah definitely it sounds like we're going to war or something but sometimes it can (laughs) feel like that when you're trying to you know pitch certain ideas um yeah no absolutely go on Michael I love what you said as well about picking your battles and I think that's part of the game of product management that maybe isn't talked about that much it's that degree of like is this tactically an advantage for me to have this battle even though I think it's right and I might be right by having this fight it means that we're not going to achieve some of the stuff or we're going to get bogged down in something and I'm probably better off just to hold back on this and see if it just comes about naturally um I mean it's hard to quantify when it's right to do that it's just a feel isn't it like a gut feel um but I, I can completely relate to the times when you think yeah, this should happen, but now's not the time and I'll focus on other stuff and maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah, and it's, I think as well, it boils down to your own well-being as well because, you know, when you get something obsessed by something and you're like, I want to, I need to do this, I want to get this, I don't know why we're not doing it. It actually conserves a lot of energy and it's actually stepping back as a person and going, actually, is this conserving too much of my energy? It's really just not worthwhile, so let's just park it. So really like making sure that you're putting your energy into things that are really worthwhile and not getting obsessed by ideas that maybe actually the maybe the organization is just not ready for it um and it may be something that later on you can be like right I know yes this is the right time and you might know that right time but yeah conserve your energy because I don't think it's good your well-being when you're obsessed by something that actually is just not that important no I found like even when I've worked um as a consultant and even when I worked internally it was always a thing that I would do it would be like be able to see all of the change I wanted to make and it felt so overwhelming even to me and like what I ended up starting to do was to write all of those things down and kind of categorize them to say right these movements we need to make in this area and why and in this area and why but also like as much as it's a gut feeling there's still that kind of prioritization that goes on in your own head as to whether you're like how difficult is it going to be to try and make that change and what advantage will you get from doing it and then I'd always have this like prioritized list that I'd look at say once a quarter of like okay well we've already made progress in this space now we can make progress in this space 
Um, so that always helped me a little bit as well. Yeah, and I think this is definitely something that I always try to do in like the digital transformation space, especially when you're like people are going, oh, it doesn't feel like anything's changing or whatever, is to reflect back on where you've come from. And I'll always be like, well, do you remember when it used to be like this? Or, you know, it was like this. Look at all these other little things that we've done. You know, and I think it is always like reflecting back um, and seeing how far you've gone rather than going, you know, this is how far we've still got to go. Look at how far you've already come. And I think that's really, really important, especially in the digital transformation space where it can feel like it's going quite slow. No, that's super powerful. Um, and then as a freelancer, how do you make sure that you still leave the impact even when you've left? Yeah, I think for me, it's building relationships with people. And I think like, I'd say that's an important role anyway, whether you're a permanent person or a freelancer, but it's really building, you know, your like relationships with people. So whether that's with business stakeholders, whether that's with your team and really kind of for me, when I leave an organisation where they're like, I can't believe you're going, how are we all going to cope? I think that's when I know that I've done a good job because I it feels like those people are like, I don't know how we're going to survive, even though I'm sure that person that's coming in is going to do just as a good job. So for me, that's how I like to leave impact that they've kind of like, feel like they're going to miss me when I leave. But like I said, the other people will do just as, you know, a good job. So yeah, that's how I like to leave my impact. I'm interested in digging into when do you start feeling, do you know what, this feels right, this feels like they are now getting agile. What are the telltale signs that you look for from starting off with practices that don't feel right and immaturity? What does that mid-stage look like when you're like, oh no, something's happening? And when do you start kicking back and getting the cigars out thinking, yeah, this is great? Yeah, I mean, my role's like, because I'm also doing a tech delivery, I definitely feel like when I'm ready to kind of like leave somewhere is when it turns into like BAU activity because that's just not my strength to kind of I like delivering those things. And then also I would say at that stage, people are really kind of like doing like all the like rituals correctly. They're doing things like, I don't know, story pointing. The business are bought into the concept of like roadmaps and all of those wonderful things. And they're really kind of getting involved in like, you know, planning out for the next roadmap and are not just going to the team secretly to like put things in. That for me, when everyone's working kind of seamlessly, there'll still be gaps and there'll still be improvements. That's when I'm like, yeah, this job is done here and people really understand it. So it's got to be really not just from a delivery perspective but also from the business side they're really kind of working into that and they're really bought in to kind of that process so yeah that's when I'm like yeah ready to kind of go on my holiday now yeah like you can all fly with your own wings you've got all the tools you need (laughs) yeah and that and you know that's that's not my then strength to kind of continue in you know that day-to-day like improvement mine is kind of probably where the baseline's a little bit lower and that's what I enjoy is that I guess when the stakeholders are really tricky and the development team are really tricky, but when they're, they're all playing nicely, I'm like, no, it's yeah. ready for somebody else to kind of come in now. So, yeah. And I think there is, cause it's like the space that I operate more in now is that other extreme where now we take people away from using story points and we just try and say, what value can you deliver each yeah. week? And how can you focus purely on outcomes and not necessarily need a roadmap, but it's like, yeah. like, 
a completely different level. It's like, right, here's all your base practices. This is how you actually deliver value efficiently and make sure you can think about KPIs, but you can work more on a project. But I think different organizations need those different levels of things. And like I say, it's a completely different speciality. Yeah, and that's where it's like, it's getting that baseline fine, that people understand it. And then it's like, when other people then can come in and go, right, okay, you've had a period of time working like this, right? How can we make you even more efficient or a better work? And how can we drive value more for the, you know, for the business and for the customer? So yeah, and that's where then, hopefully at that point, they're ready to kind of then learn some new techniques and stuff. So yeah. yeah. But 100%, like it's impossible to go from zero to there. Like you have to go through those steps in that journey, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think as well that you you have to tap into very different like skills and you may be predominantly more like influencing stakeholders and stuff. And, you know, as a product manager and kind of, yeah, holding holding people's hands, you know, and kind of really taking them on that journey. And you've really got to be really good with communication obviously it's important wherever you are but communicate over communication and when you're going through digital transformation and not just having like a two weeks where you've not reached out to your business stakeholders you know being in constantly in contact with them so they're really reassured so nice um and then to wrap up what is your favorite thing about being a product person for me, it's the variety. Like, I don't think you have one day that's ever the same. There's either some issue that needs to be fixed or it could be that you're writing a load of user stories, it, you know, like the variety. And I think for me, that's what I really enjoy. So I just never would be good at just sitting there for a whole day doing the same thing. So I just love the variety that you get in the different types of people that you work with. Yeah. Nice. And what's your least favourite? I guess sometimes it can be what is my most favorite you know sometimes you just want to like I don't know I just want a simple day where there's no problems or there's no nothing you know nothing and you like I love that but there might just be some days so yeah just having a day where it's just like really straightforward sometimes would be really really nice yeah those days take me by surprise if I'm like oh I haven't yeah, like there's something there's what something. do I do here yeah you're like when's this storm gonna hit um and it's normally on a Friday afternoon I find that the storms always hit on a Friday afternoon it's so true I'm like I don't know why <laughs> um and then what quick tip would you give to anyone that's going through agile transformation yeah so I think for me it's and I think we touched on this bit like before is actually don't get bogged down in what other people are doing. So what other product managers or other product owners in an organization are doing, because it could be in that agile transformation, you've really got to kind of look at the situation and adapt your ways of working to that situation to get the most out of it. Because people, people, as I said, don't really like change. So you're going through some kind of transformation. So you've really got to adapt your styles. So don't worry how other people are working. You just look at the situation and kind of you see what fits best for that um, kind of transformation. And there may be some things that aren't in the like agile, like handbook, and you've got to just like make up things as you go along. But as long as it works, that doesn't matter. Yeah, honestly, tweak, tailor and adapt because it's never... I think trying to implement perfect agile in every organization is impossible. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then last question, is there anything that you've been reading or you've learned recently that you think would be useful to share? 
So um, I'm not a big person who will like read things. I just like to learn on my job. I kind of, for me, I thrive off kind of watching people, kind of like looking at like behaviors, just finding out like from a tech perspective, I just love learning on my job. And I think for me, like one of my biggest things is I'm not going to sit and read a book outside of my work. I like well-being is super important to me. I would rather just kind of like listen to podcasts or read some books that are nothing to do with product. So I think as well, don't be obsessed as a product manager that you kind of feel like you have to kind of like read books. You have to do all of these things. That's fine. It doesn't matter if you don't. You're not doesn't mean that you're not a perfect product manager. So I definitely my style of learning is just probably very might be different from how other people like to learn. But yeah, I just thrive off learning on, on my job, to be honest. So, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I really like those last few points because it's all about the fact that we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to others. We need to learn what works for us, whether that's yeah. how we learn best or how we think we can implement product best and stick to our strength in those spaces and do what feels right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it, it is good to learn from other people and what they're doing, but sometimes that just might not suit the organisation you're working for and might not suit you, but don't feel bad if you're not doing those things or they're the latest like trend or whatever, that really doesn't matter because I do think the beauty of kind of like being a product manager and being agile, there is no set definition. You just, what you could work, how your organization's working or how you want to work. And that for me is, that's perfectly fine. No, spot on. Well, thanks for joining us, Leanne. That's some super helpful information. And it was super nice to talk about a topic that I don't think really gets covered anymore because people think it's already done. <laughs> exactly. No, thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe so you get to hear about our latest episodes as soon as they land or dive into our archives and check out some of our earlier episodes. If you're a fan of the show, we'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to recommend the show on social media or leave some feedback wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening.